you want to open your Bibles, we'll be in Romans chapter 6, verse 7 to begin. Uh, aren't you glad God gave J.C. Brittany? Huh? He, I have to be honest about something. I created a monster. He is me on steroids. Okay? And you'll see that in the next years as he begins to take over the place. Um, but, um, um, praise God. Um, November 26th, the Sunday after um, Thanksgiving, um, we're going to have a dedication service. Um, a dedication time is a time where you parents present your children to God. And you promise to lead such a life before them that they see Christ, and so they have some footprints to follow, and if you follow in Jesus' footprints, um, and they follow your footprints, those are some good footprints, okay? And if you would like your child uh, to be, you would like to dedicate your child. Now, honestly, I, I see this as sort of a 12 and under thing. I don't just see babies, and so if you would like to dedicate your child to Jesus Christ, uh, you're more than welcome. I think it will be an extraordinarily powerful um, service. And so if you'd like to be a part of that, you let me know, and uh, we'll make you a part of that, okay? Uh, so, um, yeah. As I enter into, back into Romans, um, I, I want you to understand the battle that your pastor has been having for about the last 10, 15 years. Um, see, I've got this very queer notion that what the Bible says is true. Okay? Um, if Jesus says he can do something or will do something, in his own powerful, perfect time, he will do it. Okay? Can I be honest? As I kind of watch the church, I, I'm not 100% sure we actually believe that. I, I don't mean to be mean, but I just see so much of the church. I was with a group of guys. I won't tell you they're pastors, but I was with a group of guys a few weeks ago, and they're sitting there. And they're, they're all upset because their little kingdoms are, are having problems and, and, and everybody's picking on them and, 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 you know, uh, I've just got to do this so I can please this, this very ornery, ungodly church person. And I'm sitting there about to blow up. I'm sorry. I love you. And I'm offering Jesus to you. But if you don't want him, there ain't nothing I can do, but you ain't running the place. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You know, I mean, I love you, but you can forget that stuff. You know, the bottom line is I want everybody to understand. You don't have to sit on the outside looking in saying, boy, that would really be cool. You could step on in. Amen? I want you to hear that. I want you to understand that. 
You don't have to leave this place today wishing. You can leave this place clothed in the power and righteousness and glory of Jesus Christ. Everybody. Everybody. I want you to hear this. I want you to understand. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what happens in the future. You can live in and through and by the power of Jesus Christ. You know? And it's powerful. Don't tell me about the world overcoming, the overwhelming. The bottom line is the power of Jesus Christ will make you an overwhelming conqueror. Now, that's later in the book, but it may make you an overwhelming conqueror no matter what kind of trash is coming at you. You have to understand, I'm not a nice guy. I don't tolerate excuses. And you know why I don't tolerate excuses? Not because I'm mean, but because I love you. Because if I tolerate excuses, and that's what the church is known for, okay, then it kind of gives you a license to tolerate excuses, and we all live in the mully grubs of Christianity. I don't think that's where we're supposed to be. I think we're supposed to be in the glory of God. Amen? So that's kind of where I'm at. We started out each time with with Romans in chapter 1, verse 1. You don't have to go there. But it talks about the very first phrase of Romans. Really, it's the only way for Romans to work for you. Are you listening? I, Paul, a slave of God. If that ain't your ethic, Christianity won't work for you. It can't work in your life. You're saying, but I, I like to be in control. Then you're not a Christian. Oh, but I go to church. So does the devil. I believe in God. So does the devil. I treat people nice. So does the devil. You still love me? You need to understand. You need to hear this. Unless we actually surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, Romans doesn't work for us. Christianity doesn't work for us. The word of God doesn't work for us. There are so many people running around calling themselves Christians and they're some of the biggest jerks you've ever met in your life because the bottom line is they're still in control. And they ain't yielding it. You know, but the bottom, and here's here's another thing I'm so tired of. Don't tell the Nazarenes I said this, okay? Nazarenes teach you that, you know, you get saved, and then later on you get sanctified, and then you get holy, and then you're okay, and all that kind of stuff. No, that's trash. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, you give your life to Jesus Christ. Enough of that. Well, you know, we don't want to scare them. We don't want to hurt their feelings. You know, we don't, you know, we don't want to scare them off. No, here's what I want you to do. If you want to become a Christian, you allow God to kill you, so it's no longer you, now it's him. Amen? You know, I see these people, you know, they were taught this, well, just let Jesus come in, and later on you can, you can make him Lord. No, make him Lord. Make him Lord. Then you mature in that. But what I'm finding is there's just a lot of people that they've been to church 400 years. And they're not Christians. They've been hanging around the joint. What's the old cliche? Uh, They've been standing on the premises, not on the promises, you know. I want you to hear that. I want you to understand it. I want you to examine your lives. 
I really do. I want you to look at your life and say, is my life in Christ? And am I in Christ? Or am I just kind of standing on the outside looking in? I know enough to be dangerous, but I'm not really in him and he's not really in me. Amen? I'm sorry, I had to preach there for a while, all right? Okay? But then we went to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. It talked about the fact that I am not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is the wonderful, powerful, eternal news that Jesus Christ came and did everything necessary for you to have eternal life, abundant life, and really cool and awesome overcoming life. I want you to hear, amen? You know, amen? Somebody should be standing on, waving a hanky or something, you know? It, it just, you know, seriously. This is, this is powerful stuff, friends. It's time for us to get excited about this. Okay, if, if, if you really get excited, let me help you with something. If you're excited about this, you're going to go out there and you're going to find a friend or a neighbor or an enemy or somebody and you're going to invite them to church next week. Not somebody that already goes to church. Because if they'll leave that church, they'll leave this one. That's like all the munchkins have here. Okay, now we don't want that. You want to find a stone-cold heathen and invite them to church. Amen? No, I'm serious. Don't, don't go to church. Well, they go down here, but we'll invite them. No, stop, 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 stop. Let's find a stone-cold hurting heathen and invite them. And they will see what goes on here, and they will think this is the greatest place in the world. It's just church people that make excuses. Amen? But I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God to save everyone, everyone, anyone who chooses to believe in him. Well, that save stuff's good too, man. You know, it touches every area of your life. It sets every area free. Oh, but, oh, but Nothing. Salvation of God is more powerful than anything in your life. Amen? It's so very important. So there's this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation. Then we skipped over to chapter 16, verse 20. I love this part. I love this part. It says, you know what? When that power of salvation takes over, instead of you getting crushed, you get to crush Satan under your feet. Let me ask you a question. Are you crushing or are you getting crushed? I'm serious. Ask yourself that. Well, there's this area. If there's an area, that's an area of cancer that you better bring Jesus into and you better get somebody to help you because let me help you with something. Cancer starts as a cell. I'm no doctor, but that's what they tell me. Well, I am a doctor, but a doctor of theology. Cancer starts as a cell. One cell. Not that big a deal. But it multiplies and it multiplies and it multiplies and it multiplies unless you allow the great surgeon Jesus Christ to come in and cut it out. You need to look at yourself and say, man, is there any area of my life that I'm getting crushed? 
If there is, you need to get Jesus into that area and allow him by his power to save you, to set you free, to make you a mighty warrior and to begin winning in that area of your life. And you can. What you don't do is find other people more out of whack than you and then you normalize that. And that happens even in church. Are you with me? You find people that are not, amen? The first part I want us to really focus on, I'm kind of doing a review of one to six. So we're liable to be here all afternoon. But, just kidding. But in chapter six, verse seven, I want you to hear this. If you have died with Christ, and I don't have time to explain all of that. If you have chosen to be in Christ, if you have chosen, chosen to be crucified with Christ, if you have chosen for God to crucify your old selfishness, that old selfishness that just jams your whole life up, I want you to understand, if you have chosen to be crucified with Christ and died with him, you are set free from sin. Don't don't let all these evil people tell you, well, you know, everybody sins, so it's okay for you to sin. I don't know about your Bible, but in Genesis and Romans, it tells me the wages of sin is death. Now, can you see somebody say, well, I know part of my life is dead, but that's okay. Would we ever say that? And yet, how often do we allow that? Right? Are you with me? I know it's some tough stuff, but it's some good stuff. You know, you are set free from sin. And you aren't just set free from sin so you could sit there in your freedom, but you are set free from sin. Turn over seven verses, six verses, and it says that because we are set free, we are able to give every area of our lives to Jesus Christ as instruments of righteousness or instruments of spiritual warfare. Now think about that. But I also want you to think about that. I know we come and we hear the good theology and we, we kind of know a little bit about salvation. We kind of know a little bit about sanctification. We kind of know a little bit and kind of know a little bit. Big, hairy deal. It's like Bible studies to me. If that Bible study ain't growing into your real life, you've just wasted an hour. Are you with me? Are you with me? Okay. Folks, have you given every area of your life to Jesus Christ as an instrument of righteousness and warfare? God's silent. This is important, isn't it? I think churches are just filled with people who are know enough to be dangerous to themselves and anybody they touch. Because they know, well, I know it says God can. Well, if God can, then why haven't you? Why are we kind of sitting around playing these little church games? Why don't we step up and say, you know what? Enough. I'm giving every area of my life to the center of God's holy, righteous will. And I am going to be a mighty man or woman of God, the person I was created to be, 
And I'm going to go out here and I'm going to be a warrior of God that's not just sitting around defensively hoping the devil doesn't get me. I'm going to be a person that goes out of here and I'm going to take the power and glory and word and wisdom of God and I am going to go out here and I'm going to do some whooping of my own. Because Satan is whooping my kids. And Satan's whooping my grandkids. And Satan's whooping my neighbors. And Satan's whooping my, my, my workmates. And I'm going to leave this place. And I'm going to become a man or woman that does a little whooping for them. Are you with me? Now, now you do know I, I'm talking to you, right? I ain't talking to them people out there or over there or or super saints. This is for every one of us. I'm going to bust that table if I'm not careful. Seriously. Are you... A warrior of God. Or do you have your excuse system down so succinctly that you've kind of decided it's okay for me not to be? I got so many problems, I ain't got time to do it. I ain't got the energy to do it. I want you to understand something. You've missed the whole point of Jesus and salvation. Oh, but pastor... You don't understand the mess that I am. You don't understand the mess I'm in. You don't understand my home. You don't understand my life. You don't understand the family I come from. Anybody got one of them? Huh? You know, you don't, you don't understand. Man, I don't just have, I got mess on steroids, man. It, I'm a mess. It's a mess. We're a mess. Oh my goodness. Oh, the mess. Amen? All right? I want you to understand something. It's okay. Do you ever remember the Christmas story? Do you remember how Jesus, the creator king of the universe, came? And do you know where he went? He didn't go to some big castle in the sky. He came down, and do you ever read Matthew 1 about his family? You talk about a bunch of cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs now. No, I'm serious. That that family was a mess. And he came down here, and the bottom line is, he came into a world, and his mama was an unwed mother, and back then, they stoned unwed mothers. (laughs) So don't tell me Jesus doesn't understand your situation. He came down into this mess, and he lived a life that wasn't a mess. Amen? But I want you to understand something about the mess. Everybody, look at the people around you. They a mess too. Because Romans chapter 5 verse 12 tells us and following, tells us we're all born in a mess. Every one of us. Because of the sin of our original parents, every one of us were born in the sin and goofiness of our parents. 
The only person that doesn't have to worry about it is, is JC because he's my son. That's an even bigger mess. But I want you to hear this. I want you to understand this. I think sometimes Satan is very effective in talking us into the fact that, you know, my mess is worse than everybody else's mess. And, 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 you know, God understands my mess is worse than everybody else's. So the bottom line is, it's okay because, you know, it's, I'm just a mess. And I'm in a mess. And I want you to understand chapter, Romans chapter 3, verse 23. I'm trying to kind of bring you back to what, Roman, what we studied in Romans. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, Every one of us have sinned, and every one of us fall short of the glory of God. If you feel like an out-and-out loser sinner, look at the person next to you. They fall short of the glory of God too. What's so funny? Would you like to share with the rest of us? Okay, yeah, well, yeah. That's what she taught our son. Mommy, just remember this, mommy's always right. She believes it too. We're all a mess. We live in a messy world. This is a generally sinful world. You have to understand, this world is a mess. Everybody says old things are worse. Now, you go, all, read the Old Testament. Then people were crazy as us. They were. If not crazier, you know? See, there's nothing different. It's always been a mess since Romans chapter, I mean, Genesis chapter three. And we've just kind of perfected the art. And the problem is today in our country, there ain't nothing wrong with anything. That's what the battle's all about, okay? So I, want, I don't want you to, I want you to understand you're not alone in all of this. You're not alone in this mess. Uh, You know, well, you know, I got messes. No, no, you don't have messes that nobody else has. Everybody got mess. Here's the cool part, okay? Jesus Christ, one verse after that verse in Romans 3.23 and Romans 3.24, it says that Jesus bought you out of the mess, He paid the price to get you out of your mess. Somebody say amen. He did what we call in the church, he redeemed you. You were in a prison or you were sold to, um, what do they call, I'm sorry, what are those people called? Um, Where you go get your stuff back if you pay the price. Um, uh, Pawn shop. You were in a pawn shop. (laughs) <laughs> and Jesus paid the price to get you out of hock. Okay? Are you with me? Did you hear what I just said? I didn't say you pay the price because you can't pay the price. Did you hear what I just just said? You can't pay the price. You can't be good enough. You can't do enough. You can't be enough. You can't give enough. The bottom line is you don't have the ability to pay the price. But he already paid the price for you get out of this mess. Then we go back to that Romans 1.16. There's a power. There's a power. Don't do it on your own. Why do it on your own? There's a power 
to get you out of this mess. I hear so many people say, well, I don't think Jesus is going to get me out because I made the mess. Everybody here's made one mess or another. Amen? Everybody feel real good about how nasty we all are yet? You know, but this is important. This is important for us to understand. We should never look down, down on somebody else's mess because the only difference is, is, is they probably don't know all about your mess. Amen? And there are some public things that, that come out and we think, oh, how bad that person is. Oh, hush. Because I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want everybody to know all the messes I've made. Amen? You know, and this is very important, you know, but he paid the price to get you out of the mess. He died and rose again, and now he has the power to take you out of this sinful mess that you've made. And I think this is so very important. Friends, we need to get excited about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, honestly, I'm going to be honest. I don't know how to motivate you to be excited about the gospel. The two major churches that I've been in that grew like wildfire, I can't explain what happened, but they got excited about the gospel. They got excited about what Jesus did for them. They weren't sitting around saying, oh, well, this isn't right, this isn't right. They got excited about the gospel. And there wasn't anybody in their life or in their world that they didn't meet, that they didn't invite to their, their church, even though everybody there was a mess too, but they knew Jesus was doing something special. And Jesus can do this in every person's life in your world. Invite them. There are little cards back there where the Bibles are. And they've got the, the name of the church. They've got the website. They, they've, they've got the times of services. And, and the bottom line is, folks, Invite somebody to this. This is powerful. Did y'all see them kids up here today? They beat you adults. Amen? It's powerful. It's wonderful what God is doing. Somehow, I know you're Pennsylvania Dutch, but get excited. Seriously. But Jesus did it all to get us out of the mess. But pastor, I've tried. And the mess just never goes away. You ever feel that way? The pushback just never seems to go away. The stuff around me just never seems to dissipate. Pastor, it just... Could somebody show me the passage of Scripture that says the mess has gone away? Sorry. Maybe in 2 Hezekiah. I said that one Sunday to a church. Turn to 2 Hezekiah, and all these saints are back there looking for 2 Hezekiah. In this world, you're just going to have problems. In this world, it's just going to be dirty. 
I wish I didn't have to tell you this, but in this world, you're going to have pain. You're just going to have heartache. And let me encourage you, if you're not going through that right now, it's coming. Aren't you encouraged? I just feel like jumping up and down. And But Romans chapter 5, verse 5, says, In the middle of the tragedy, and in the middle of the heartache, in the middle of the pain, hmm, just like that's where Jesus went, I will pour out on you hope. Y'all must not have heard me. In the middle of all this stuff, I will pour out on you hope. And I'll do that by pouring out on you my love in abundance. And when you have abundance of love, it has spillage. I will pour out on you my love that will fill up your heart through the person of my Holy Spirit right in the middle of the mess. Right in the middle of the heartache. Right in the middle of, I wish things were different. I wish I could tell you, Jesus is going to pay all your bills tomorrow. I wish I could tell you, he's just going to make everything right tomorrow. You know, if you pray right and you say it right, he's going to make everything right tomorrow. That's not what his book says. But his book does say, if you open up your heart and your mind and your life, in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the mess, God Almighty will come and pour out on you a hope and a love that it may not make everything all better, but it sure makes things okay to get Your neighbors and your friends and your loved ones, they're not looking for somebody that's perfect. In fact, they kind of enjoy you having problems because then their problems don't seem so bad. And I'm serious. And I'm serious. But you know what they're looking for? They're looking for somebody that's able to look at them and say, It's going to be okay. I've been through that mess. I've been through that pain. I've been through that struggle. And you're going to be okay. Because there's a God 
that loves you always has and always will. And if you will let him, he will pour out and into your life a love and a hope and a power and a glory that will see you through this major mess you're 